Welcome to Win Win, a podcast from the Department of Sport and Exercise Science at the Waterford Institute of Technology. I'm your host, Bruce Wardrop, and in each episode, I'll be chatting with someone who works behind the scenes in sport, helping people to maximise their performance potential. If my guest is winning, hopefully their clients are winning too. In this episode, I'm catching up with personal trainers Jay Walsh and Tony Sullivan. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks a million for speaking to me today. Thanks for having us on, Bruce. Thanks for having us, Bruce. No, my pleasure now. This is my first time doing a a three-way interview, so we'll see how this works out. Um, The uh, the reason I, 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 I... asked you guys to be on the show is because we have uh, we have students who are currently studying uh, modules that are going to get them qualified as as personal trainers um, and we're looking to just get the insight of people who are out there working in industry uh, you guys are both graduates from our courses here in WIT and since your graduation from your undergrad courses you've both followed a fairly similar path so Tony we might start with you first can you tell us a little about your undergrads and what you've done since I sure will. Um, so basically, I started off when I was 23. Um, that's actually something not a lot of people know about me. When I done my leaving cert, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, so I actually ended up working in a factory for five or six years. And then the more I done that, the more I kind of realized that wasn't for me. Um, so I went to, uh, I was always interested in training, always interested in exercise, uh, always played sport. And I wanted a change in career and I said, why not that? So I actually went to Waterford College of Further Education and I'd done a level five in sport and recreation and I'd done a level six in the NCF. So that kind of gave me a good platform and a good stepping stone then to go out to WIT. And I did the course Sports Coaching and Performance then and Jean McCardle was the leader of the course at that point. Um, she was she was excellent. Helped me through the four years there. Um, I loved every bit about that. And then I actually, which is which is very strange too for some people to hear this. But when I was twenty three, I nearly had in mind that when I went to WIT and done that, I was going to further on and do the exercise psychology. I always kind of knew there was a link there between the two. And I always found myself throughout the, the years in WIT and CTI and even in the Masters in WIT, I always found myself, if I was to buy a psychology book or buy a book, it would be a psychology book. And it was very strange considering the, the first like level five, six and level eight is sports science and I'm reading psychology. But I always knew the power of like the the psychology side of it. Um so then, obviously, done the level eight and did the master's level nine then with Kira Losty and Jerry Fitzpatrick. And that was just fantastic. So that that just gave me a different level of education in regards. I'm mean, fairly lucky, Bruce. Um, since 2013, since I started this journey, I always had a good blend of education and practical so I was always actually working in the industry while I was still learning. And I always found that that helped me stick with things very easily. I remember some of my classmates had different jobs to what they were studying and they couldn't grasp it as quick, but they would grasp it eventually. But I, I found that using the information I was learning in college and actually applying it daily, it just stuck with me a lot longer and it was much easier. Um, so yeah, I, I 
went, I done that MSc with, uh, what's that one, that sport and exercise psychology. And then when I done that one, I further on then I'm doing another MSc in psychology in the University of Newcastle. So it was kind of, I done all I wanted to do in the sports science and I still tip away and continual learn with that but I'm further going into more the psychology route. So the the, the, the second master's that you're doing now what, what where will that get you uh, in compared to where you were? <clears throat> so basically um, the one I done in WIT it was more exercise sport interventions. It, we did some mindfulness we did like the power of yoga and um, goal setting concentration techniques you're very limited to the exercise and sport part of it. So this this master's now is a psychology conversion course um, in the University of Newcastle. It's all online. And that kind of goes further into the neuroscience of it. So the further more of the biological side with the psychological side. And that was something I always found interesting. So I'm actually near enough ending that. I'll be starting my thesis now in a few months. So that'll be that one ticked off the list and hopefully it opens a few more different doors for me bro so it's always for me it's just always continuing education very good i've learned learned a few things about you there that i didn't know tony <laughs> what about you focused. what about you jay you had a slightly different starting point um, could you tell us about your path uh, yeah, I had a slightly different um, starting point from Tony, but, but very similar too. Um, so I lived in Canada, in Saskatchewan, from 2011 to 2014. Uh, worked in a completely different career and, you know, probably spent most of my Saturday nights actually on the phone to Tony talking about, you know, what we were going to do. And um, so we had planned to actually start um, with the NCEF together. But it turned out that I actually stayed in Canada for an extra year. So in 2014, I came home and I started in the Waterford College of Forage Education. Um, and then we done the level six NCF uh, exercise and health fitness. Uh, so from there, then there was direct link with WIT, which was really beneficial. Uh, and in 2015, I started uh, the BSc in sports coaching and performance um re- really like that that was definitely uh, a step up but i found year one was nearly a refresher on everything we had done in the Waterford college for education so like the benefits of taking that year before i went in to wit was huge um finished in 2019 and went straight into the msc in applied sport and exercise psychology with a uh, gene jerry and kira um finished finished that master's last Christmas and in my thesis. Um so ho- hopefully get some sort of graduation maybe later on this year. Um and then I'm actually going to start uh, another master's in psychology next month. So that'll be starting in April. Um and again that is uh it's it's going to be online so it'll be very accessible, you know, given the current circumstances and whatnot. Is that the same one that Tony did or are you doing a different one? It's the same one, yeah. So we, we started at a different point, but we're, we're definitely following a similar path. Um, and it's always been very beneficial to have Tony almost kind of a year ahead of me. Um, it's just, it's nice to be able to say like, you know, oh, 
motor behavior tony how was that how was that module like what what's it like so i always found from just being good pals with tony that i kind of knew what was coming in the semester because he'd be like it's going to get intense at christmas it's you know and it was always nice to have that like he he'd been there done that almost that's a fairly unique bromance that you got going on there that he's uh, he's guiding you along the way i don't know guiding or steering me wrong who knows he's making me me do all the mistakes brit with that yeah he's he's smart he's smart So yeah, well, Jay, what what attracted you? To, Tony gave us a good explanation there. What why he wanted to do the MA, the, the sports psych psychology uh, masters. What about yourself? What what attracted you to us? Again, I think like so when I in two thousand and fourteen, I started work experience as part of uh, the NCF, and I was blessed that about two weeks into the work experience, I actually got a part time job in a gym in Waterford. So again, like Tony, I was always everything I was studying, I was really blessed that I could practically apply it week in, weekend out, um, which was a huge benefit. But early on, I did kind of start to see a huge deficit in my own education in understanding a little bit more about the mental side of fitness. And it was probably something that I wasn't too confident to, to delve into. And, you know, I might be working with different people um, even just in a class-based setting, and it was always geared around, you know, the the kind of physical fitness side of things. So I obviously seen a clear deficit for myself and maybe within the industry for the mental side of fitness and the psychological side. Um, so then when I, when I realized that that could be done in WIT, it didn't have to be done online. It didn't even have to, like, go to the hassle of moving away or anything like that. It was nearly just... For me, like starting the Masters after uh, sports coaching performance was nearly just like an extension. I just, I finished, I finished one year and then I was just straight in and, and it was just like a continuous path the whole way through. And um, so that's what made that course really, um, really desirable for me. And I, I absolutely loved that course. I I found it just absolutely flew by and obviously halfway through my Masters um, in semester two, everything went online and whatnot and maybe that's what made it seem like it went really quick but it, it just flew by but the benefits that I've taken from that masters are, are huge it's interesting there you know you've both hit on the same fact that you said being able to apply what you were learning almost in real time so you could pick something up in a, in, in a class one afternoon and, and maybe try it out that evening or that upcoming weekend with the clients mm-hmm. were you like were you ever apprehensive to do that or were you did you just get stuck in and, and, and give it a go i think um i think probably i don't know i can't speak for tony but my personality is that i would just get stuck in i was blessed on on my very first day in 2014 in, in college um i had to teach the bicep curve and like it was the most nervous i ever was in my life but i just got up there first person to volunteer and i done it and like I'll never forget how nervous I was to teach, you know, a bicep curl. <laughs> but um, that was very beneficial for me because that was like that set the tone for everything going forward for me. I seen the benefits of just getting up and doing it and not being apprehensive. Um, and I I just realized, just I know it sounds crazy, it's just teaching a bicep curl, but that set the tone for me then as, as I went on. So yeah, I, I I never felt like if if I picked something up in WIT midweek. 
I was always trying to implement it then maybe at the weekend or in a you know fitness class on a Sunday or whatever it was. Was your experience the same, Tony? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um I actually was very similar with Jay when we done the psychological masters, uh, the first one in WIT, I actually didn't want it to end. Um I, I found it absolutely flew by and we were going in every Monday and I actually didn't miss I didn't miss one day in the whole 18 months you were going in every Monday and what you were picking up was just like mind-blowing stuff um but it was absolutely fantastic in regards to the practical side you know Bruce that we were all you know that me and Jay are we love training ourselves as well so it's easy to apply what you're learning even from yourself I found over the last few years from different training programs I might have trained out I learned a lot from just implementing myself that I know what it's like when I give it to others then, or I know how they're feeling maybe in certain points, because sometimes, Bruce, you know how it is. You could do an eight-week strength block, and for the person after two weeks, they're like, this is boring. I didn't I didn't sign up for this. But you know that eight weeks of progressive overload is going to get in the results. So the boredom and non-variation is going to become part of that. Um, and that's it's it's very important, I feel, that, when you know what they're feeling, it, you nearly build up a rapport without saying anything. Yeah, that, that that's really interesting. I'm, I'm actually delighted you said that because, you know, I'm a firm believer that you, you know, if you want to teach something, you need to have experienced it yourself. If you want to try and get someone to do something, you have to know what it's like. And if you haven't experienced it yourself, you won't have that little bit of understanding or, you know, just being able to describe what it's like. You know, if you've read about it in a book, you might have an idea about it. But until you've been through it, you just haven't got that that little bit extra that's going to help you communicate. And, and like you said, build that relationship or the rapport with your clients. You know, you, we're in this together almost kind of thing. Or I've been there in your shoes. I think that's very, very important. Absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, you mentioned there like uh, over the, the, the last couple of years, I've been uh, I've been coached by both of you. And my impression um, of you guys is that you both have a very, just a subtly different style uh, uh, in the type of training that you prescribe. So that, that would have been my, my, my take on it. So let's, let's see how this works out. Jay, what type of training does Tony like to prescribe? Uh, anything that makes you feel shit about yourself. <laughs> Don't say no. that. Uh, no, I, for, for me, for me, it's really nice to have Tony, um, almost like to be able to refer to and, and you know knock heads with it because I, I would kind of see Tony and I, and I don't think this is as much a thing as people think but I, I would see Tony as more um you know an aerobic based uh type of coach um you know over the last few years he's done a lot of kind of endurance uh challenges himself and he's he's got a lot of people doing endurance-based activities that never would have done endurance-based activities, including me. I mean, you know, I, I would jump on the bike instead of do the 500-meter run in a class. And, you know, because of Tony's constant pestering, I ended up running the marathon last year. So, like, you know, I, I, I think he's I think he's really, really sharp when it comes to, to the endurance stuff. And, he you know, he got me doing it. So that's that's a credit to him. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I don't think that that's all he does. Um, definitely not. I, I think he, he and at the same time, you know, maybe people see me more as, as a, a strength based coach. So Tony, do you, would think, 
Tony what do you Watt. think, Tony? Yeah, like I, 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 I 100% agree with what he's saying about me and he was just about to say it as well. I would see Jay as more of a strength type as well. But I think actually um, we often chatted about this before, Bruce, where we were talking about it's funny how what you put out there, people portray that's what you do and that's only what you do. Um, like I know... The, from studying the, the, the degrees in the past, like the, the fundamentals of being strong will carry you so much further like than just picking up a random endurance program and going with it. So I'm, I'm definitely a firm believer of like strength base and I'm progressing on. Not, I, I wouldn't like, I, I suppose, long story short, Bruce, I would never put someone in a position and give him an outrageous challenge without really knowing a bit about him. So if I say for you, Bruce, if I was to use you as an example, I know you're very strong in regards your 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 body weight, what you do, your back squat, your front squat, because I know you, I've seen you, I've coached you. Like, so I would say to you, Bruce, with a bit of running training, you could do that marathon. But then if I knew you a different Bruce in the gym that I, I did know was struggling maybe with some strength deficits in their legs or wasn't strong or had some hip injury, I wouldn't be recommending Martins then. So you definitely, you people are biased and they do think you're stronger at one thing than another. But what they don't really realize is we're after studying 10 years, we might have something that we prefer when we portray it. Other people think that's what we do and that's only what we do. But we do understand the absolute fundamental of the person as well, not just. Yeah. I wasn't, I definitely wasn't trying to pigeonhole you into, into, uh, <laughs> into one, one style of training over the other. But I think, I think it is fair to say that you, subtle differences in, in, in how you, how you approach things. I think, you know, again, I, I when I'm being coached or when I was being coached by either of you guys, again, slightly different personalities and how you go about things. Tony, I think it's fair enough to say that you would have been a little bit no more no nonsense. You would have been like, now, Bruce, just get this done. Whereas Jay, you might have had just a slightly more softer approach and said, well, you might have put it like, well, you could do it this way, Bruce, but you'd probably be better off doing it that way. And I, I think I responded but well to both of those. So, do you think that it's a, is that a fair reflection of you or was that just how you coached me? Do you guys, would you adapt your style based on who you're working with? A hundred percent, I would definitely adapt my coaching style to the person. And I suppose, Bruce, when I'd be walking around the floor or when I'm doing personal training with someone, I'm after teaching, I suppose, by, by, by being in this industry now the last eight, nine years, Bruce, where, like people don't really look at you like this but I often I do a lot of reflection on myself I've coached thousands of hours of classes like I remember in 2019 I think I added up my classes I think I taught 800 just classes and that's not including person training sessions plus you know Bruce the gym we're working in it's it's very much busy all the time so even when you're not talking or not teaching a class you're having an interaction and I suppose all the years, like we're after doing thousands of hours of classes, thousands of hours of PT, you pick up subtle things that maybe the normal person or the not trained eye, I suppose, for a better sentence, wouldn't pick up. So there'd be very much days where I would probably say to you, Bruce, more often, 
come on now, Bruce, let's go, let's push it. I know you're a CrossFit competitor. I know you like pushing the limits of what you can do. So it'd be very much if I saw you feeling sorry for yourself after a tough day in WIT, I'd be like, Bruce, come on now, let's go. And you'd be like, all right, all right. You know, whereas I might have to have a softer approach with the person right next to me. And then you're kind of wondering, why did he say that to me? But that to her, but that's just, that's just this industry, Bruce. I could give out a topic on protein, for example, and I could give 10 different answers to suit 10 different people. You know, like what I'm saying there is like recommendations for the person, their age, their activity level, their goal, etc., etc. So it's de- it's definitely adapt to the person for me. What about you, Jay? Do you want to come in there? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I say with you, it it is very much being able to read the room. Like if I if I gave you that answer, chances are I was probably trying to provide you with a little bit of autonomy and a little bit of control because I know you know exactly what you're doing. Um, if 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 you would walk into the gym as a complete beginner, maybe I I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have tried to provide you with as much control there. I would have maybe gave you a more direct answer. And um, I, I think that I, I definitely adapt my methods, but they're always guided by the same principles. So, yeah, I, I definitely do take a different approach with a different client, and I might apply a different method with a different client, but those methods are always guided by you know a solid set of principles that never change um, and you're kind of guided by your coaching philosophy as well like how much time jay would you sp- like say if you have a new client coming to work with you yeah like what, what's what's the process like how do you get to know that person um pre-covid it was always nice to to meet for a cup of coffee because i just think it's like my, my whole philosophy on training is that um it, it, it's like real progress and real results aren't going to occur in a one hour coaching session you know it's not it's it's what's happening outside of there so you need to build you need to build a process that's consistent and it's systematic too um so like it's really nice to meet someone first and you know maybe have a cup of coffee and what i always do and I, I probably like blow the year off people, but I always like tell them exactly what I'm telling you right now. I I explain my philosophy, and if that doesn't suit that person, then I'm more than happy to refer on. Um, maybe I'm not the right fit. Um, and from there, then it's just about kind of building building some bricks each week. I, I always try not to to overload the client at, at start, so it's not like right, we need to get. Your your lifestyle needs to be nailed down. We need to we need to get your sleep perfected by next week. We need to you know we need to get your track. And I think you 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 decide what's most important to that client, and you just build on that week week in week out. And again, that's why I think you have to explain your your philosophy and your approach to people because people need to know that look you know if you want to make this change and and make it last, it's not going to happen in eight weeks. Um, and, and as long as you're honest with the client and you explain to them that it's not going to happen in eight weeks, then I think that helps the buy-in um, as opposed to nearly promising, promising them everything over a short term. And then when you are trying to actually do the work, they're like, oh, I thought this would happen faster. So, um, yeah, you, re- you really have to be honest. Um, and that's something I try to do. And I've probably, I've probably referred on 
and said no to more clients than I've said yes to over the years. But I think maybe at the time they're a little bit disheartened about that, but six months later they realize, you know, that was the right thing to do. And maybe they're with a, the coach that's more suited to them or whatever. Yeah, there's a couple, that's a couple of interesting things there. Like even that first initial contact, taking it out of the gym or, you know, yeah. you, you do it in person over a cup of coffee is a very nice way to introduce it and, and, and start that whole client consultation process, getting to know you, getting to know me kind of thing. It can be tough, especially if it's a beginner and and you're, you know, the, for their very first contact with you, you have them like warming up on a bike or, or something like that. They, they might be like, oh God, my heart rate's starting to get up and they're probably not even listening to what I'm trying to say at that stage. So it's nice to have a real casual kind of relaxed um chat first and again that can be done over zoom now in the in the current um in the current uh, circumstances mm, yeah no that that's that, that's you know something i wouldn't have considered but it's a, a good little tip there so tony then i, I I'm, I'm guessing you're similar to that but picking up on some of the things that jay said there how much of the success like you know i've seen some of the, the, the i know some of the clients that you've worked with and i obviously see on social media the successes you're, they're having how much of the success that you have with your clients do you think is down to the the actual programming and training that you do versus like what Jay hinted at there, lifestyle modification, habit habit formation, that kind of stuff? So for me, early days, Bruce, it was always about just getting work done and having a program, et cetera, et cetera. And then the more I went on with my education, reading books, then it became from more like lifestyle modification and habit formation. That was really what it was for me. Um, there's no perfect program. Um, as Jay said, you could probably only have sometimes one hour a week with that person. So you have to make sure their habits and their lifestyle outside of you is guided by you too. So for me, sometimes you, you, might, you might hear, say, I know it's an elephant in the room when people talk about money, but say the price of PT, it is, it is more, it is more expensive than your normal membership of a gym or class-based facility. But what it is, Bruce, is it's not the hour with the person. It might be the call during the week. It might be the two texts. You might meet in the park for a run on the Saturday. You might be guiding their, they're guiding their nutrition. You'd be guiding their sleep, recommending books. It's basically nearly like creating a creating a like a family or a little gang or a community or whatever it is you want to call it. So for me, I always tried to put a percentage on it, Bruce, but I can't. Um, but if I if you were to push me now, I would say the actual training program, I would say probably twenty percent. And I'd I'd actually go eighty percent as in other stuff. Sleep, food. Um, mood, how you're feeling about yourself, self-esteem, confidence. It's all about creating habits to make a person have more happiness throughout their week and feel like they're doing the right things. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I do think, like I think you said at the start of that there, you know, that the perfect training program, I think sometimes some of the students will say, they'll ask like, what's the, the best way to do this? And, and and their question could be sometimes like, would I be better doing 30 seconds of this exercise or 40 seconds of this exercise? And like, that 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 detail, you know, unless it's a, 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 a very very specific hit protocol that you want to do, where you're talking about seconds of work versus rest, that kind of detail is, you know, it's not the most important thing. I, you know what? You, no, sorry, sorry, Bruce. Go on. Yeah, 
No, that's that's what I'm, it's not the most important thing. You know, it's the, the most important thing is that your client is coming to you. They're getting some work done and then they get some more work done the next day and they get some more done the day after that. 100% and to furthermore expand on that point then as well, Bruce, is you want people to realize that do what makes you happy. So if you feel that you're doing a hit, Bruce, and you always do the protocol of like 45 seconds, 50 and off, well, change it. Change it to 30, 30, or it's not so much what you're doing, it's how you're doing it, you know? So as long as I, the, I suppose the advice I'd give to students is as long as you know the absolute foundational knowledge um, and all the theory behind what you do, uh, why you're doing it what you're doing doesn't really matter as long as it's done in a safe environment yeah no i think that that that's pretty reasonable if you've got a bit like once you've got a guiding principle for the program that you're putting together if you're trying to get this person aerobically fit or stronger develop power speed whatever it might be you know it could be losing weight changing body composition if that that's your your guiding principle then the, the minutia of the program becomes um it's, I'm not saying it's not important, but it's, yeah. it's less important as long as you're always just trucking on towards that bigger goal. Exactly. 100% agree there. Yeah, very good. Um, so you, you mentioned there, Tony, as well, a couple of things that I might like to explore a little bit more. And I'll come back to you on, on this as well, Jay, is, you know, the yeah personal training it's not the the hour or it's not the program but there's there's a lot of other stuff involved in it as well so how do you you mentioned there you know developing a little team or a family or a community what 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 tools do you use or how do you communicate with your clients to try and you know develop that relationship so it would be very much you know you're going to see someone once per week and then it either be through phone calls through Zoom consultations or through maybe a coaching app you might have, such as True Coach. Um, I know some of the gyms are using it now for their clients during lockdown. So it's a very easy to use, accessible app. It's quick, it's good, it's fast. Um, stuff like that. Um, what I would do to maybe track their behavior and their habits is I get people to journal a lot. Um, so the main things I'd get them to track is their steps. So that kind of looks after their daily activity maybe. Um, their food then in regards macros and micros so protein carbs and fats and then their vegetables and water intake <clears throat> for women now um, I'd be very much on top of talking about menstrual cycle seeing where they are in separate separate weeks um, because if someone's hung up on a scales or something it's very important to know that the physiology throughout the month is changing men could be more stressed or, or whatever we don't know so it's very important to track how you're feeling also along with just the the food and the sleep and the steps so like what i always get people to do i kind of have a three-part process for that part bruce bruce um what i do is i get them to report so look at your diary your journal see what you're currently doing i get you to reflect at the end of each week so think and outline about the success and failures of what you're doing currently can we improve on them and then we refine them so every time i meet someone i'm going can we do something one percent better this week so can we change some of the things what's our action plan what i want for it so like for me is if i, re I recently had a, a client that was having a lot of bread and i'm just using this for example so i didn't cut her bread i said could we put a day on it where you have it say so i said could we do monday wednesday friday and she was like, yeah, I can do that. So she came in to me the following week. She'd done that. 
Then I was like, can you do a Monday, Wednesday? And it wasn't as if I was demonizing food. There was just too much of it, Bruce. You know, you could have six, seven slices a day. And you're like, what? So I would never demonize food. I think we can always fit things around to have and stuff like that. But it was just a little making her aware of just having on certain days, cut back the quantity and that let out to fit some more micronutrients in. So encourage more good behavior of vegetables and stuff. And so journaling is a big, big part of what I do. So you'll often, good. you'll often see a lot of my clients will always be carrying around the book. And if they don't bring it in, I kind of just give them the eyes for a few minutes and then they'll, <laughs> then they'll be like, oh, sorry, I forgot my journal or whatever. But, um, that, but that's and it. Is that now, so you wouldn't read their journal, but you'd have a discussion with them about the journal? Exactly. So obviously um, a lot of what they put in there would be very private to them. Um, so they'd, they'd, nearly, they'd nearly show me sometimes the My Fitness Pal for the macros or they might show you the steps, Bruce. But as far as like what they're putting on the paper, that's their own business. So I kind of tried to stay out of that a little bit. But obviously make them aware, Bruce, that if you're if you're struggling with something in regards, you want a goal or some sort of help in some way, I'll guide you in what's best and we'll we'll go from there. Very good. Jay, do you take a, a, a collaborative approach like that or how do you, you go about it? Yeah, very much very much similar to Tony in that um I, I want to make sure if somebody's coming to me once a week that I kinda have a good gauge on what they were doing for every other day of the week. So what I'll do is when I initially meet a client, um, we'll we'll lay out some non-negotiables that are, are directly tied in with the client's why and the client's goals. Um, we'll then, what do you mean by what do you mean by the client's why there? Basically, like why why it is they want this certain outcome, and and really maybe using uh, using our psychology masters to get in a little deeper. And, and maybe challenge them a little bit on their why, because oftentimes, you know, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit with that. I just want to tone up. And straight away, I'm like, no, there, there has to be more. There has to be more. And if, if you push a little bit, respectfully push, you'll probably get more. Um, and the more I know, the more I can help. And I always explain that to someone that I'm, I'm not trying to delve in here because, you know, but the more I know, the more I can help. I, I don't. I don't think anyone truly just wants to, you know, increase increase the size of their muscle or decrease their body fat or do this. There's always going to be something maybe fueling that. So I suppose that that's what their why is, um, and and it's 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 finding that out in a, in a, a respectful way. And I think the the masters in sports psych definitely helped me and Tony to to find out what tools that are available to actually you know find out so based off that then I will lay out maybe like seven variables and seven non-negotiables that we're going to agree on so training physical activity you know it might be a step count nutrition sleep stress management and then just the general mindset just how they how their self-efficacy is about the entire process. And then what I like to do is, like what Tony does, I like to get that client to, to fill in uh, a check-in report that will basically, what went well, uh, what was the barrier, and then how can you improve on next week. And what that does again, and it's my long-term goal as a coach, is it increases 
it increases autonomy from that client and it increases self-control. And I think the more people feel like they're actually in control over their behaviors, that's going to lead to more long-term results. I, I don't want anybody to feel like they, I need to constantly hold their hand. And like, I kind of have a thing that I get with clients where I'll, I'll decide like, you know, they can do this. They really can do this. And then it, it's like, oh, you're trying to get rid of me. And it's like, no, I'm not. I just, I'm really confident in your ability to, to almost kind of become your own coach. Um, and that might sound a little bit cheesy, but that's probably my, that's my main driver of success as a coach is uh, like say practical example. I, I worked with a girl for 16 weeks and I got a text and a video message on Saturday morning, just gone. And she nailed her first three strict pull-ups and she's still maintaining the the body composition changes we made. And to me, I think it's because the day we finished, I just said, just look at the check-ins you've done. Without me, just continue to do those check-ins, become your own coach, become more autonomous. And it's actually not that difficult if you can just, you know, drill down on those non-negotiables and those variables every week. So you're saying you were so effective, you did yourself out of a job there, Jay. Is that is it? Like, it, I, I remember when I was writing a coaching philosophy, um, part of it was that it's it's my aim to make myself redundant. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that that is that that's you know obviously you don't want to do that with all your clients, but that's fair. Like if you're if you're doing well, like, well actually no, I'll ask you guys. So what's you know the title of the of the, of the podcast is win win. So how how do you know if you're winning at your job? Like I, I, what's success? I, I think what I just said is um, when when I see somebody become autonomous and do it without me, and if you know maybe maybe my accountant is like, cop on, stop doing that. But I, I found that people going off and doing really good on their own actually increases my client base because word of mouth referrals increase then, um, and then it's it's almost you have that kind of vicarious experience that the client is coming in from this client who done really well and I can almost use those then and uh, you know practice vicariously through those and use their experience to say look it's going to take a little bit of time but if we can get you to that point where you feel that you're in control of your lifestyle and your behaviors then I, I don't see a reason why you can't keep um, maintaining because I think like sustainability is a word that gets kind of thrown around a lot at the moment like but I think as a coach, you need to actually know what is sustainable. Um, so like, you know, if, if you get to a certain level of fitness or a certain level of body composition, maybe as a coach, you need to understand if if we can't sustain 80% of that over the next 12 months, then is it actually sustainable? So like sustainable is, 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 is a great thing. And I think everything should be sustainable. But my, my tip, to say maybe up and coming PTs and coaches is actually have a sustainability percentage. So you decide what's going to be sustainable for you and your clients. And again, if you're clear and concise and you and you're honest with that client, I think they'll appreciate that. Um, it's not always what they want to hear, but I think long term they'll appreciate. Do you want to come in there at all, Tony? Yeah, I, I very much agree with what Jay is saying there. I can't really expand too much on it, but um, I suppose as a personal point of view, Bruce, where I'm in the industry, yeah, say eight, nine years, I've been a PT per, for probably five or six years of it. And I, I never once put up an advertisement. So uh, I never had to advertise prices or pl- 
or places or where I was doing it. It's like Jay say, you're not really doing yourself out of a job because that one person that might finish up with you will tell 20, 30 others, you know. So very much Waterford is, is, is like that. And if you're a local PT, if you don't want to expand to social media and you're local, then it is pretty much word of mouth. So. Yeah, I think that's 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 an interesting point, Jay. You mentioned the accountant there, and I'm obviously not you, your, your accountants, uh, but I, you know, I get the impression, and I have have a sense that you guys are both doing well in your in your in your PT business. Um, I, you know, I, I think you've got a decent number of clients, and 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 things are working well. But and now this is not. It's important, and this is not a sly dig at all. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, you, you you might say that your your online presence is fairly small. And one of one of the guests, one of the girls I spoke to uh, a couple of episodes ago, she has a business that's based purely on Instagram. She's got about one hundred and ten thousand followers. You know, it, it's a big business for her. But you, the, the reason I'm bringing this up and saying it's why it's not a slight dig is because you guys are proof that you can have a very successful business without that side of things as well. I had a check in there. And actually, I can't remember. One of you, I think, is 944 followers and one is 955. I can't remember who has the edge there at the I moment. Have, I have more, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's, um, I, yeah, I know. I think you guys are proof and evidence that you can have a successful business without focusing too much on, on, on the online side of things. And uh, Jay there, I, I, like as Tony said, a lot of word of mouth helps and, you know, one client does well, they might tell a couple of friends and you can you can build business that way. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, I mean, like we we definitely thankfully we don't need to to push social media a lot. And I think if you take a careful look at our social media, what what we push is stuff that's it's free information. It's it's the low hanging fruit. Um and we're trying to put that out to everybody. And, you know, there is always a part of you, maybe when I start posting a bit more on social media and I was looking for those dopamine hits, I was like, oh, it's only got 34 likes. Well, here's my top tip to any, any of the students maybe that are listening to this is, if your post gets 34 likes and it, it let's take five people engage with that post. So two people, like, you know, change their behavior based on that post and they never engage with you. Then one person lets you know that it was really helpful. And then two people maybe in three months time ending up, you know, signing up with you online or, or in person or whatever it is, then that's way more beneficial than you know, I don't I don't think likes and, and follows actually translate to anything. Um they don't they don't, I don't think so. It's about getting that information out there. And I'll be honest, like I'm 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 poor on social media. I, I don't think I have any I don't think I have any solid structure I, I just when i take some information that i found to be beneficial i want to i want to share it and i'm not sharing it there's never a sales pitch there isn't a sign up below below the post it's just a genuine want to um to help people because the information is free and it's out there um i suppose it's obviously we're biased and we can we can kind of process the information a little bit better um from our studies but it's about putting that information out there then and packaging it up in a way that people are like hey this is a very simple tool that i can use going forward and um, you guys have both you know you've you've both described 
your the process and how you work with your clients and you know it's i'm i'm impressed by what you do i've never been a personal trainer and client of of either of you guys but you know i'm impressed by what you've done and i'm sure some of the students might be listening or other people be listening going saying you know god oh they're very well established they've got the you got your systems in place can you can you think back tony to your first clients do you remember your first clients i still have my first clients you still have your first clients Five years later. Go on. And so um, I remember actually she um, she first started with me, Bruce, because um, she actually came to me with a back injury. And uh, obviously her, her occupation doesn't help that. She's a hairdresser and they tend to like favor one side and she's a very successful one. So she'd be doing uh, 12 to 15 hour days and, you know, she got the information off a physiotherapist and then the physiotherapist sent her in and then I helped her with her re- rehabilitation program. But um, then it just becomes a part of it was something she loved doing. She loved being accountable to someone. And that was it. It, it goes for maybe you go for maybe once or twice a week in the initial program with her to maybe once every two weeks to maybe once a month just for accountability. And um, it's nearly you mentioned earlier, sometimes how do you measure your success and uh, I actually have to look at my core group of PTs. They're all very long term. So, um, and it, it's it's not even that because it's not even like what Jay mentioned earlier is in, oh, you want to get rid of them. It's not really that, but you do realize yourself and become conscious that it's, it's an expensive way to get fit. But in terms of value, if that person still values it and they enjoy it, then who are you to tell them to stop doing it? Because if I was in their shoes and I wanted to do it, I'd pay the money too because it's something I value. Um, but yeah, uh, I still have her. <laughs> Anything, can, can you think back now? Do you remember, you know, some of our students might be just about to start out with their first clients. Any clangers, any mistakes you made that you wouldn't <sighs> want to be repeating now? You'd be so nervous, um, but totally like a different person now. Um if I look back at some of the stuff I did do, I'd be probably cringing a little bit, thinking I knew everything back then. But um, if you have that mindset that um, you're really nervous about starting, like you'll never start, it's wrong. Like, you know, so you just get out of that thing, go at what you know, because at the end of the day, Bruce, you're not intentionally going to give someone the wrong information. You're going to help someone that you think you have the knowledge and skills to help so if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Um, and, and that's just the way it is. If you, if you let fear put you off, you'll never start. Yeah. Keep it simple and just go, go and try and do something that you think is easy and simple. Do it well and build from there. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Jay, what about you? Can you remember your first clients? Uh, yeah, sure can. Um, I, I, I don't still have the client, but apparently <laughs> she lives abroad now, so it's <laughs> not my fault. Um, yeah, no, I can. And again, as Tony said, like, I remember how nervous I was and you know I was in the industry I, I was teaching you know um classes every day and stuff like that but um I can still remember my first client I, I think my my advice to the students and stuff like that is that um don't try don't try use that hour as a chance for you to um show off your skill set and how much you know um you use that hour for that person they, they they probably don't care 
what you were studying midweek. Uh, you know, it's like like nobody nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, that's one that stuck with me. So I found my evolution as as a personal trainer. I probably talk less now about you know scientific methods that we're using and and the the rationale behind certain exercises or certain interventions and you're just you're just giving that person you're just giving that person their time and if they if they want to talk about you know something that's going on at work then you know you have two you have two ears and one mouth so or you know listen learn how to listen um whatever it is because at the end of the day that they're they're instilling a little bit of trust in you and um yeah so i found that probably mistakes that i made earlier on was being a little bit too scientific in my approach um and i'm trying to almost explain that rationale to the client whereas i don't think they always need to know and of course if they if they ask yeah you have as tony said earlier if they ask you're studying you have your qualification and you you know what you're doing, so be free to share that with them. But if they don't ask, I, I would just keep it for yourself. Keep it keep it for your classmates. You know, you can share that information during the week, or keep it for your lectures or whatever. Yeah, you remind me there. I spoke to a guy called Carl Stedman, who's a CrossFit Level Four coach, and he would have worked with thousands of uh, coaches over the years. And we were having a chat about like you know if he sees someone coming on to hit one of his coaching courses is there anything that anything that would make a person stand out that makes him think oh this person's going to be a good coach and he oh he said that you know he takes someone who who's has is compassionate and shows an interest in their clients rather than the person who has all the skills you know you can learn the skills but that compassion and that empathy towards your clients that that's really important and that's what's going to that's what's going to set you aside as a good coach. Yeah. I mean, me, me and Tony always have that conversation. I, I said to him, you know, maybe last year sometime, or we'd often say it. I said, like, I was like, Tony, of everybody who, who works with you, and obviously it's, it's, it's an, in an online environment at the moment, but I was like, how many people do you think strictly come to you just for the physical fitness? And he was like, none. And, you know, and I was like, same. I, don't, I, I couldn't name one of my clients who 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 are just with me because they want to enhance you know a physical uh, capacity now they they do of course but there's always there's always another part to probably why they want to work with me and that's why I in my continuous education and stuff now I I spend a lot of time I spend a lot of time trying to improve those softer skills as opposed to you know early days in college I would have done a lot of kind of technical courses like you know getting better at my coaching skill set but now it's definitely the softer sciences that I'm trying to improve you mentioned there as well that you you know you're you're continuously learning always the students Tony's on his second master's there and I know again I know I notice I know that you guys are both pretty well read you know you're you're constantly looking for other sources of information Tony loves the psychology books and uh, ha, ha, like, is that something that you've always had or is that something that's developed over the last couple of years for you guys that, intro, you know, the, 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 the want or the need to, to, to learn or continue, continue to get more information? I think for me, it was uh, definitely developed. Um, I was actually a very poor, poor reader, um, Bruce. Um, as I said to you earlier, I kind of came out of uh, secondary school and went straight to work 
I have wasn't much reading. And then I suppose when I went back, I just started when I went back to do my first degree back in Waterford College for further education. It was more I've seen the importance of upskilling constantly. Um, I'm very much Bruce as well. I don't take one book and run with it. So if I read something on the ego, I'm not going to read The Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday and believe that that's all there is to it. You know, I'm going to look at Freud's theory. I'm going to look at the science. I'm going to look at, like some people might say, oh, Freud, the psychologist, he's bananas. But you look at it, you take it on board, you learn from it, you don't run with it. And that's what really gave me the bug. And sometimes people might leave the whole sitting down reading. Oh, it's not for me. I'm not a reader. I never get quite time with the kids. I'm the exact same. I'm very busy with family life as well. I have two small kids and I don't actually get a lot of time to read. So what was my next step was, right, how am I going to develop this and keep constantly upskilled? I was like, right, I do a lot of endurance. Let's listen to books. So downloaded, downloaded Audible in the end of 2019. And I actually was only looking yesterday. I've listened to 56 titles there now in the last 14 months. So it was basically nearly, nearly like a book a week getting through. And it was from getting into the car listening or going for a run or on the bike. But it was definitely developed Um but it's if one way doesn't suit you, try find another way. Yeah, that's interesting. Jay, are you the same? Do you like to to, to look for alternate sources of information and different ways of digesting it? Yeah, definitely. And like Tony said, I I, I was definitely a, a poor reader. Um, and maybe when I was studying, I was like, if I have time to be reading a book, I, I should be reading a journal article or I, I should be working on that assignment now. So I nearly seen it as like a leisure. Uh, time activity so I probably denied myself the chance to do it but then uh, just like Tony said like Audible definitely uh, really helps me Um, it's just so easy to get through and you know there'll always be that little criticism of that you know like neurologically maybe you're not taking in as much information because you're not as focused but that's fine I, I, I keep uh, I keep a journal for any books that I'm listening to and if I want to pause and just jot a quick note in maybe when I get home or anything like that really important information and I find that helps me retain the information um, but yeah like uh, I would I would be listening to an audible and probably reading a book at the same time but I'll get through the audible like 10 times faster it takes me so long to get through a book so you know I don't I don't put myself down for not reading more books I get a lot of information in from audible and uh, and podcasts and um I, I think that's that's it's just a habit to be developed all that information is out there some of it is some of it is reputable some of it is not but it doesn't matter it's it's what you it's what you take from it you know um like me and Tony would often like recommend books to each other and we might finish a title and say I didn't really like that but you'll always take one there'll always be one little take home message from a title even if you didn't actually like it um and i think it is important because it's nice to bring up those conversations with your clients then and um something i do with clients is i i I pass on like i might do some some breath work uh with, with a client after a tough session 
and as opposed to just doing some box breathing, I would be like, hey, you know, check out James Nestor's book and, and give it a shot. And I have I have a hard copy of it. And if, if you want to listen to it on Audible and you always kind of get that thing, it's like Audible, what's that? And I was like, it's the best thing ever. It's it's, it's a free book every month. Why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> yeah, it's actually something I've been uh, reluctant to do. But uh, maybe I've uh, you know maybe it's time to uh, to dive in and give Audible a try because like that yeah you know there's there's opportunities. Uh, well, back when we were driving to work, you know, you've gotten forty minutes, maybe fifty minutes in the car going to and from work every day that you could be getting some uh, getting some information in. Perfect yeah, opportunity for, for a lot of my clients as well. Um, they have a lot, like you obviously live where you live, but obviously have kind of a short enough journey and some like. Some of my clients, Bruce, would have an hour and a half journey. Even now, they're they're still working, um, and I'm, I I'd be always saying to them like, "This is some opportunity for you." In regards, if you are in the car for seven eight hours a week, you're going to get through a book a week. And they're all kind of looking at me with two heads, but it's just suggesting it, and they might pick up on it someday. Yeah, very good. Guys, I like I feel like we could keep talking for, for hours here, but we have to draw a line under it at some stage. So I think this is as good as point as any. Uh thank you very much. I think that it's been really insightful, really enjoyable chatting to the two of you today. And I hope the students will get uh get plenty from our chat. Hope so too. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for having us. No, uh, no, really appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks a million, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. That was good fun. I've known Tony and Jay for a long time now and I really admire the progress they have made over the last number of years. They have helped me out as coaches and I've learned a lot from them over the years, which they might not realise. Here are my take-home points from chatting with the lads. Put what you learn into practice ASAP. You are in a unique situation where most of you can take what you learn in class and apply it almost immediately, either in your own life or with clients. It's not like you're studying accountancy or some very specific jobs. There are lots of exercise, training and lifestyle habits that you can implement almost immediately. Look to broaden your horizons and keep learning. Audible seems like an important tool for both Tony and Jay. You might struggle to read two books a year, but you could listen to 20. There's a free trial available. Check it out and see what piques your interest. Finally, there's more to being a PT than just the exercise programme. From chatting with Tony and Jay, it is clear that their clients benefit greatly from lifestyle modification as much, if not more, than physical activity. Learn about the benefits of simple lifestyle modifications that the average person can implement. Things like good sleep hygiene, stress management, adequate nutrition, awareness of caffeine and alcohol intake. These can all have a major impact on the efficacy of a training program and the progress your clients make. Okay, that's it for today. If you've made it this far, you might do one more thing and share the episode. It would be great to spread the word and build our audience. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, then you can catch me on Instagram at the underscore wardrop. I welcome any feedback or suggestions that you, yes you, might have for the show. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode.